0: Section twenty one of Fires and Firefighters by John Kenlin This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Chapter twenty Quick Burners In Europe no less than three hundred fifty years have been spent in building some churches, while in America three hundred and fifty churches are built in one year. There, in succinct form, lies the cardinal difference between European and American construction and it is this latter which possesses a profound significance for the firefighter in the ancient cities of the old world from time immemorial stone has played a chief part in the erection of buildings with brick in recent years as a good second but in america use has naturally been made of that material most ready to hand wood and thus it is that the fire risk has grown proportionately to the population and the birth of new towns both of which have been inordinately rapid and necessitating in their turn celerity of construction to meet the ever-increasing demands of the situation further a man will decide to build a mansion for himself premises for his business or a factory for the production of some commercial article he buys a plot of ground selects an architect chooses a set of plans and specifications lets out the contract and is in occupation one hundred twenty days after he first conceived the idea hustle with a capital h is the keynote of the scheme and any questions of fire control appropriateness of design or structural stability are all swamped in one wild desire for haste and the speedy completion of the order Contrast this picture with European methods, where the individual breaks fresh ground only after months, maybe years, of careful consideration, and where the great-grandson places the finishing touches to the conception of his forebears. Again, take the ingredients commonly in use for the mixing of mortar, that most essential adjunct to building operations, the writer has seen in europe pails of animal blood and hair combined with the finest lime and sand it having long ago been recognized that the binding qualities of this compound are unsurpassed in america it is often thought sufficient to employ mud with a sprinkling of cement which may be cheap but distinctly savors of jerry-building it has sometimes happened that whole rows of buildings have collapsed because of the inferiority of the materials used in their erection and often weeks after bricks have been laid in this mud-mortar two fingers would suffice to pull them from the wall true some improvement has taken place of late but buildings of the type mentioned carelessly finished within and without provide that class of construction generally described as quick burners while on the subject it may also be remarked that when a stipulation is made in a building contract for fireproof wood and finishings the prospective owner of the premises seldom realizes that wood so treated loses its fire-resistant qualities from atmospheric moisture in a few years while hardwood will only absorb thirty-five per cent of the solution, and maple, none at all. In discussing fire strategy in lofts and commercial buildings, entirely new conditions present themselves to those previously considered under the title Fire Strategy in the Homes of the People. The structures have large floor areas, usually heavily stocked with what may prove to be combustible material, and in many cases open stairways and elevator shafts added to light shafts between two buildings enhance the danger and the difficulty of efficient fire control bold indeed would be the officer who would attempt to lay down a set of strategic rules for fighting fires in places of this type as so many factors enter into the problem that a prearranged attack is impossible The fate of nations has often been decided by a successful or a disastrous campaign worked out by a military genius of the headquarters staff, and it is related of Field Marshal Moltke that, on war being declared between France and Germany, he sent a telegram and went to bed, every possible detail of the war having been prepared months or possibly years in advance. Even to the number of cups of coffee required at Cologne railway station for the arriving troops. Fire chiefs must evolve their plans on the instant, for they cannot calculate beforehand the strength of the enemy. Furthermore, fire is the only adversary which on the battlefield steadily increases in strength in the exact mathematical proportion of the resistance it meets until the point is reached when it is actually held in check this emphasizes the part played in modern firefighting by promptness of decision good judgment and rapid action on the part of those in command hence it can be realized that the mere theoretician stands a poor chance of acquitting himself creditably and that it is practice which tells but notwithstanding these factors there are a few general rules which can and must be applied under any conditions on arriving at the scene of an outbreak in a commercial building of the quick-burner type the officer in command should be able to tell at a glance its height width depth and style of construction and for this one moment should be sufficient here is a most important point for no matter to what part of the building the commander may be obliged to go thereafter he has a correct map of it and its surroundings in his mind's eye The next step is correctly to locate the seat of the fire, which can only be done by an instinct fostered by long training and experience, which becomes a sort of sixth sense, and is therefore outside the boundary of rules and regulations. Some possess this faculty to a marked degree, while others seem to lack it utterly, and like an ear for music, it cannot be acquired, though it may be enhanced and quickened by practice approaching the problem under consideration from a broad standpoint the plan of attack depends upon the condition of the building and the extent of the fire upon the arrival of the first assignment if the outbreak is on one floor only a line forced up the stairs to its origin may be sufficient and it should be added that this line usually extinguishes more fires than the three or four which follow in fact it may be hazarded that seventy-five times out of a hundred this will be all that is necessary should the flames be found to have control of several floors the force should be deployed in such a manner as to confine the fire to the area it has already invaded and should it be impossible to enter the building a water tower may be brought into action to cover the front though the street is usually wide enough to obviate all danger of fire crossing and igniting structures on the other side the rear also must be covered as there is infinitely more risk of the flames spreading to adjoining premises at that point for such buildings are often within ten feet of each other should a fire burst out of the rear windows it will instantly cross this narrow space and if not driven back by lines in the buildings behind they too will ignite should a condition of this nature confront the chief on his arrival he should immediately summon additional aid and a common fault with some subordinate officers which may cause fatal delay is to postpone the transmission of further alarms precious moments are consumed before the fresh assignments can reach the scene and the fire has gained control therefore it must be reiterated that a correct estimate of conditions to be met is of vast importance once the rear of the building is covered the side exposures must be protected as there are four sides to a fire and the one to leeward is naturally the most dangerous seldom does a fire work to windward as it did in the case of the equitable and hence a line or two should be stretched to leeward the probable route of the flames when control of the outbreak is assured with front rear and sides covered it may be possible to enter the building unless it be old and heavily stocked should there be fire escapes on the front lines can be sent up by this means under cover of the water tower and turret pipes and if lines are sent up the stairs the roof should be opened this latter is a prime requisite to relieve the building of accumulated heat and gas which might explode and would certainly seriously hinder the actions of the firemen as soon as the lines ascending the stairs and fire escapes have gained a foothold in the structure the tower and turret pipes should be shut off as there is no object in flooding the floors if the inside lines can control the flames at this time the force in the rear should be advanced across the space and effect an entrance everything now would depend upon the condition of the building for as a physician skilfully prescribes to suit the strength of his patient so must the chief cautiously advance according to the strength of the structure if it is weak and tottering after a fire such as has been described and furthermore contains stock that has absorbed a quantity of water thereby adding greater weight than perhaps the supports were intended to stand men should pick their way and if there is great doubt of its stability lives should not be risked until floors are relieved of all possible weight many deaths have been caused by the collapse of weakened buildings during what firemen technically term washing down as the first word was celerity so the last word must be caution for since the fire is practically extinguished at this point, there is no necessity to risk valuable lives. The fire protection of bonded warehouses offers a curious problem. They may not inaptly be described as quick burners, since their construction the world over is on the same lines and apparently framed with no consideration of fire risks. For obvious reasons, outside fire escapes are barred, the presumption being that their presence might encourage the enterprising burglar or smuggler. Similarly, the floors are of limited height, often with insufficient ventilation, economy of space counting for more than economy of fire risk. Which all seems futile, and the reverse of far-sighted, though it has grown to be a commonplace that governments are far behind municipalities in dealing with these common sense features which are so largely responsible for the safety and convenience of modern life. In Germany, it is true, the matter has received consideration and warehouses are constructed in such a manner that the minimum of damage is done to bonded goods in the event of a fire, by having the floors raked and by the structures themselves being built upon the most approved designs but this refers only to recently erected warehouses notably in hamburg and bremen now it goes without saying that as a rule the contents of these buildings are highly inflammable and hence every scientific nerve should be strained toward the adoption of some form of fire control which shall meet the immediate demands of the situation The sprinkler system naturally suggests itself as the remedy but here questions of space step in since the nozzles of sprinklers are always of a certain length and hanging from the ceiling would take up valuable room let alone being peculiarly liable to damage during the shifting of goods an alternative scheme has been evolved by the writer which if not perfect at any rate offers some feasible method of meeting the danger of fire and in construction is of a simplicity which speaks for itself it has been christened the manifold system near the front entrance should be located a number of valves equal to the sum of the stories in the building these should have pipe connections to each floor the nozzles of the same being finished just below the level of the ceilings and furnished with revolving sprays operated by water pressure most laymen are acquainted with the ordinary spray used on tennis lawns and grass plots the principle is precisely similar upon an alarm of fire all that would be necessary would be for the officer in charge to ascertain the location of the outbreak and in case he could not reach it with a line of hose promptly to turn on the valve controlling the nozzles of that particular floor the pressure would naturally be obtained from fire engines high-pressure mains or if sufficient from the street mains though in cases where there was an installation of the high-pressure system the latter would be advantageous in any event the fire would speedily be damped down admitting of the access of firemen to the building while in many instances such means might in itself be sufficient to prevent further mischief this system of automatic fire-fighting is only in its infancy and the march of science will undoubtedly bring in its train increased efficiency of apparatus employed and the lessened possibility of its operating out-of-season which sometimes occurs with the sprinkler installation there is a crying need for the perfection of the self-acting firefighter, since in spite of modern fire-resistive tactics the enemy has itself kept abreast of the times and each new preventive method is offset by the introduction of some fresh element which promises a splendid stimulant to the appetite of the flames thus the introduction of the automobile has led to the common use of gasoline in itself highly inflammable and demanding special methods of storage. Scarcity of coal has turned the mind of the inventor toward the use of liquid fuel, while the advance of the photographic art has been responsible for the introduction of the cinematograph with its celluloid film. Most assuredly has this form of amusement come to stay, but equally its advent has not been an unmixed blessing to the firefighter since the dangers connected with its operation are so diverse and ever-present that special precautions to meet the same have ever to be framed and thus it is along all lines of advance if the human brain is never idle then most assuredly the fire fiend is never quiescent and is prompt to seize upon fresh opportunities of attack hence in considering quick burners as a whole it may not be inappropriate to include a few words anent the moving-picture peril since in all truth this strikes at the foundations of the social system owing to the number of children who habitually frequent such places of amusement now in the first place if a panic in a theatre is a tragedy then a panic in a moving-picture hall is doubly so since it is hopeless to appeal to the self-control of the young audience and the strong chances are that once a rush for the exits begins nothing will prevent confusion and crushing isle guards can accomplish little if the principles concerned are not in the bulk amenable to the dictates of reason and if old heads are not to be found on young shoulders and if amongst the former panic is not uncommon then what can be expected from the latter hence it is that the picture palace should be as fire-secure as human knowledge can make it which in spite of municipal regulations is seldom the case from the nature of the entertainment apart from the actual apparatus all that is required is a white sheet upon which the pictures are displayed and thus practically any sort of hall will meet the case old churches disused stables deserted chapels In fact, any building which is good for nothing else is impressed into the service, and with a coat or two of paint blossoms forth under a new guise as a picture palace. So long as the requirements of the municipality have been fulfilled, there's no cause for interference, and so it continues to thrive until the day comes when fire sweeps along, laying it low like so much matchwood, and demanding a heavy death toll of women and children now there is one point in this connection which small in itself is really the kernel of the situation ninety per cent of film fires occur in the immediate vicinity of the operator and yet the observant will have noticed that nearly always the box containing the apparatus is over the entrance door or where there are several doors at the end of the hall where the entrances which also serve as exits are situated there is no sufficient reason for this and it would be just as convenient from a managerial point of view were the position reversed and the apparatus located at the end of the structure remote from the entrance the reason for this alteration is obvious in the event of a fire at present the audience is obliged to pass out either alongside or underneath the probable seat of the outbreak an unpleasant and dangerous task for grown people, an impossible one for children of tender years. Now it will be argued that the adoption of such an arrangement would spoil the performance, since the shadows of incoming patrons using the centre aisle would be reflected upon the picture curtain. The answer to this objection is apparent. It would be an excellent move if the centre aisle should be used solely as an emergency exit, sufficient width being allowed to the side aisles to render both ingress and egress easy there are of course many other structures which from the nature of the trade carried on within may be well said to merit the epithet quick burner in fact in such cases it is a question of contents rather than construction and in this connection a special chapter has already been devoted to the consideration of the storage of gasoline and the garage peril there are however apparently harmless factories which provide the wherewithal for dangerous explosions and it will be well to give some slight consideration to these for the benefit of the laymen the simplest course will be to supply an illustrative parallel take an ordinary log and try to burn it short of placing it in a furnace it is next door to impossible to incinerate it even after a severe fire hardwood beams of some thickness are rarely burnt through though naturally their outside surface is charred perhaps to a depth of an inch or two but split the log and its component parts will burn more readily while the smaller it is chopped the easier it catches a light until the point arrives when it makes excellent kindling reduce the log still further and it becomes sawdust which is not only highly inflammable but under certain conditions actually explosive hence it follows that the greatest precautions must be adopted in all factories or warehouses in which large amounts of sawdust are liable to collect this doctrine may be extended and might not inaptly be termed the dust danger flour ground grain of any kind all belong to the same category and offer the same risks therefore let every manufacturer or warehouse man beware of accumulated dust which should the slightest outbreak of fire occur will become a potential explosive Incidentally, there is no reason why factories of the nature mentioned should not be kept clear of this menace, as in so many other instances of aggravated fire risks, they are as often as not directly accountable to the element of carelessness inherent in human nature. It may come as something of a shock to the lay reader to know that drug-stores, or chemist-shops, as they are called in England, are amongst the most difficult problems the firefighter has to handle heavily stocked with all sorts of acids and alkalis, no chemist on earth can precisely foretell what results may not follow upon some unforeseen chemical combination an explosion may occur capable of wrecking a whole block of buildings as was the case in the tarrant building in new york in the year 1902 or poisonous fumes may be generated which will render it almost impossible for firemen to operate within a considerable radius of the spot unless equipped with smoke helmets it is no exaggeration to say that the harmless-looking little drug store at the corner of the street is a factor of such danger that in new york city special regulations have been framed for fire prevention in such establishments For consider the perilous possibilities of such a common chemical as chlorate of potash an excellent remedy for sore throats and coughs and under certain conditions of the greatest medicinal value yet the following details of the peculiar activities of this substance cannot fail to supply food for thought when it is remembered that its characteristics are not uncommonly met with in other articles usually supplied by the local druggist. Chlorate of potash is a white crystalline body found in commerce in crystals or in a powdered form. It consists of the metal potassium and the gases chlorine and oxygen, chemically combined to form a potassium salt of chloric acid. The proportion of oxygen is large, as compared with that ordinarily present in salts, and is very weakly held in the combination. This makes chlorates as a class dangerous compounds, as heat alone will liberate the oxygen, leaving behind potassium chloride, a compound similar to table salt. Danger arises from chlorate of potash in four ways. One when mixed or in contact with combustible substances and ignited an explosion results which proceeds with tremendous energy and fierceness making a bad fire and one dangerous to fight this violence of action is due to the liberation of pure oxygen which immediately attacks any explosives present two when mixed or in contact with combustibles such as charcoal sulphur or sugar particularly if both be finely divided and abraded or struck the result will also be an explosion spontaneous explosions may also occur and near contact between chlorate and yellow or stick phosphorus is frequently followed by a violent explosion three strong sulphuric acid in contact with a chlorate will cause it to decompose and to give off heavy yellow gases which are explosive by even slight shocks, or by contact with easily oxidizable material, these gases will spontaneously inflame phosphorus, turpentine, and other substances. 4. From the inherent character of the salt itself. Chlorates, for theoretical chemical reasons, are in one sense unstable compounds. The danger from the third source is obvious although it is not imminent from the third and fourth as it is from the first and second. In the first case it will be seen that the presence of any considerable quantity of chlorate in a building is a source of danger. It would give such impetus to a fire when once reached as to make the destruction of the property almost certain. When heated alone it gives up its oxygen quietly but in the presence of combustibles an explosion will result from the rapid generation of highly heated gases a fall of floors or of shelves might scatter the chlorate over a large surface already hot or might mix it with highly combustible materials such as are usually present in drug houses in either case disastrous explosions will occur in the case of the disastrous fire already mentioned at tarrant and company's warehouse one of the great wholesale chemical houses in new york this is probably what occurred since tons of chlorate and sulfur were stored on one floor and the ensuing explosion consequent upon the fire completely destroyed the building and several others adjacent to it in the second case there is danger from intimate mixtures of chlorate and combustibles these will be found almost exclusively in torpedo and fireworks factories and have the explosive force of dynamite and gun-cotton and in fact may be placed in the same category. The explosion is propagated through the mass by shock and is practically instantaneous, while in gunpowder there is simply a very rapid combustion generated by flame or heat alone. For full effect, a chlorate powder must be confined or in such quantity as to produce the effect of confinement in the mass. In case of carelessness, such mixture could occur in small amounts in any drug store or chemist shop, and, if stepped upon, would ignite. The danger is that while the explosion in unconfined portions of such mixture takes place usually only in the part under pressure, the action is continued in the remainder of the mass as a fierce and very rapid combustion resembling that of red Greek fire the danger in the fourth case is a doubtful quantity but there seems to be some grounds for believing that chlorate will of itself decompose with explosive violence if exposed to heat and shock at the same time alone and unmolested chlorate is a perfectly safe and stable compound the peril arises from surrounding circumstances this brief description of one of the commonest of chemical commodities will give the layman some idea of the precautions which should be adopted to prevent fire in all drug stores wholesale and retail and in new york this fact has led to the adoption of a detailed standard as to the amounts of dangerous chemicals which may be stored on licensed premises in the first place those entering the chemical business must obtain a permit from the fire commissioner who with the municipal explosives commission considers each application upon its individual merits in the event of any disregard of regulations licenses may be immediately revoked the following are some of the details of the regulations regarding retail drug stores firstly it is unlawful to manufacture compound dispense or store upon such premises any of the following substances colored fire in any form flashlight powders liquid acetylene acetylide of copper fulminates or fulminating compounds gun cotton gunpowder chloride of nitrogen amide or amine explosive picrates or rubber shoddy potassium chlorate in admixture with organic substances phosphorus or sulphur is forbidden but this restriction does not apply to the manufacture or storage of tablets of this chemical when intended for medicinal purposes much the same applies to nitroglycerin which is rigidly barred except in medicinal form as approved by the national pharmacopoeia a schedule has been arranged limiting the amount of combustible chemicals and fibers some of which it may be of interest to quote thus carbonic acid one hundred pounds collodion five pounds turpentine one barrel essential oil one hundred pounds in all phosphorus red and yellow three ounces magnesium powder and ribbon sixteen ounces in all powdered charcoal ten pounds rosin ten pounds lint ten pounds in closed boxes potassium permanganate five pounds silver nitrate one pound glycerin, five hundred pounds hence it will be seen that a limit is set upon the storage of even the commonest commodities due regard being taken of their possible combinations in the event of accident or fire the next official regulation might well find a place in chemist shops the world over it shall be unlawful for any person to store or accumulate broken wood waste paper or waste packing material of any kind in any part of the premises where goods are packed or unpacked such materials shall be removed at the close of the day in addition the following restriction is an admirable one and might well be extended it shall be unlawful for any person to smoke or to carry a lighted cigar cigarette or pipe or any lighted substance within a packing-room cellar storeroom, or that part of the laboratory where volatile inflammable oil or liquid is used or handled and a notice bearing in large letters the words smoking unlawful together with a copy of this section in smaller letters shall be conspicuously displayed in one or more places on each floor furthermore basements and cellars must be properly lighted by electricity and persons neglecting this and the above regulations are guilty of misdemeanor. It may seem to some that these ordinances are stringent to the extent of being irksome, but it cannot be too strongly emphasized that the everyday fire risks of a community are in themselves amply sufficient with which to deal, and that those exceptional hazards demand exceptional precautions. owing to the unknown character of the outbreak which may result from accidents thereto. There is one last example of the genus Quick Burner that the writer would like to mention. There is a craze nowadays, in all parts of the world, for the small suburban home, which, with its ornamental exterior, tessellated pavement, and brightly painted front door, appears to the average purchaser an epitome of desirability— by the firefighter however these rows of jerry-built cottages hastily run up by an unscrupulous contractor are rated at their true value as a rule examination will show that there is a common bearing wall between each two houses rarely if ever extending to the top of the attic thus the whole length of these attics unpartitioned off in any way forms a huge horizontal flue and an excellent ally to the flames. In dealing with an outbreak of fire under such circumstances, it is therefore necessary to take lines in six or seven houses away from the actual scene of the blaze, in order to fight the flames back, and to prevent them from gaining complete control, and sweeping all before them like so much waste-paper. The structural disabilities of such a system are vexatious enough since tenants are unable to effect any architectural alterations but the fire risks are tremendous it is another example of that get-rich-quick policy which does not concern itself with such elemental factors as fire risk and human safety and is occupied solely with its own selfish ends in fact it is no exaggeration to say that the greater portion of fire legislation is concerned with the protection of the individual against the egotistical indifference of those who are ready to exploit him. Fire-resistive construction costs little, if any more, than jerry building due regard being taken of durability, security, and reputation, though apparently the latter counts but little in comparison with lightly earned gold. The public, however, is happily commencing to take an intelligent interest in fire control, And the day is drawing to a close when it will be possible to gull the unwary by means of cheap ornamentation and a prolific use of paint. Or perhaps a hint might be taken from Germany, where owner and occupier are held jointly responsible for outbreaks of fire. End of Section twenty one. Recording by Maria Casper.